It's time for class. Civics just doesn't begin and end on election day. This is Sunday Civics, the home for the civically engaged with political strategist L. Joy Williams on Sirius XM's Urban View. Welcome back to Sunday Civics. I'm L. Joy Williams, your civics teacher and neighborhood political strategist. And it's my birthday weekend. And I wanted to bring some friends to the front of the class just for us to chit chat, have some great conversation, because that's what I like to do on my birthday. Besides this time of spending some time with my thoughts and myself, I'm bringing some friends to the front of the class for us just to talk about the political landscape as it exists right now, what we should look forward to or may be concerned about heading into the midterms, which are coming up in a couple of months, because, you know, we're talking about what's happening in Congress now, what isn't getting passed, what isn't getting discussed, what isn't getting addressed. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to start seeing the conversation shift, hard shift, particularly during the holidays and right after, as Democrats and Republicans and folks just began to gear up their reelect campaigns. And you're already starting to see some of the things that they are practicing, some of the talking points and memos that are be, being thrown around on what people plan to run on. So one of the friends I'm bringing back to the front of the class, I know you miss her because I miss her too. One of my thoroughest girls, <laughs> June like the month, Moses like the Bible, June Moses is it's been a long time. It had absolutely has been. It's been so long. I, you know, before I could even do this, I had to, since the mask is always on, I had to get rid of my mustache before I could even be seen. Oh my. Okay. Public. All right. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. A little I, it, is, it is Sunday morning and I know that there are other people out there in the struggle and I am with you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so another <laughs> I want to bring to the front of the class, I actually get to listen to him all throughout the week, partly because I get to drive myself to work and back all the time and driving foster kids and all that nature. But Clay Kane is back on the front of the show. Hey, Clay. What's up, Eljoy Williams? Happy early birthday. Thank I am you. so blessed to be able to celebrate your birthday weekend with you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. You are truly a joy. Oh, <laughs> if I haven't heard that before, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. And, you know, you are always fighting the good fight. You and Larie, who will uh, join us later, along with Karen and all the team at CXM Urban View during the week. Man, I don't envy y'all in them calls. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's you know sometimes it's good but i actually enjoy the not the trolls but people who are really asking questions or being contrary in a way to gain understanding if you will that's the nice way that i'll, I'll put it but to listen to those conversations i mean it, it makes me appreciate the 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 talk radio format more because it's like having conversations in your car and i'm sure there are lots of people that talk back to y'all <laughs> from their car or from their house all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I will say, you know, we do get some crazy trolls, especially uh, with elections coming up, even special elections coming up. You know, Florida has a special election November 2nd, uh, parts of Florida, I should say rather. So we certainly do get that. Uh, Virginia, of course, has the, uh, governor, the, the governor's race, but you know, what I do like about it is sometimes it's a learning moment. 
sometimes, you know, out of nowhere, uh, I take the knowledge that I learned from Sunday civics on Sunday, and it's time to do a bit of a civics lesson. Now, I might be a little bit shady. I might crack some jokes if you're being mean or, you know, my whole thing is don't be trifling. Right. You're going to be, uh, if you have a question, that's cool. But some people will call in and just be really rude to the guests and just kind of just unnecessary stuff. We don't all know everything. This thing called how Congress works and how it functions, it's complicated. And it's complicated for a reason, because they want us to be confused. They want us to be so confused that we're not going to be engaged. They want us to not understand. They want us to not understand what the House does, what the Senate does, how a bill is passed, what a filibuster is, what the supermajority is, what a simple majority is. They want us to not understand those things. So I'm all, I'm down to like have it, but some people will just call in with just like, uh, uh, I, I think one call that I got a, a while back, a week ago or so, somebody was outraged that Biden didn't mandate for Congress to get the coronavirus vaccine. But Biden does not have the power to do that. Right. He can't do that because his executive order was an executive order that wasn't over the legislative branch. And maybe. And you can't uh, actually make. The president can't make laws against the legislative branch. Yeah, just that's kind uh, of, yeah, but separation, he was you know, separation right. kind he of thing. He was angry. He was upset. But I and although it was kind of wild, but the good thing was that oh, I'm sure somebody else out there may have heard that misinformation, didn't know. Now I'm able to inform people, even through all how sarcastic and rude and mean that caller was being. Hey, now folks say, oh, so when I hear. This complaint, why is it, mind you, 100% of congressional Democrats are vaccinated, but why is, why didn't he do that? Because he couldn't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because presidents in this country, uh, they are kings. So yeah. he couldn't do that. So yeah, so some crazy trolls, but there are also learning moments. Yeah, yeah. And I like that aspect of, that you mentioned, sort of taking the time to explain to people, because you're right, people don't have a basic a basic understanding an advanced understanding and as you mentioned it is designed that way and the rules are set up in a way that quite often what i tell people as june knows that there is the education you get to learn how things are supposed to go and then from an organizing perspective you learn how it's supposed to go so you know where to break it yeah <laughs> you know where you know where to change it yeah. and you know i i have this story in me and i, I should write it in a, in a way um because we're talking about obviously everyone is hearing the filibuster question and you know quite often we have to explain what the filibuster is to people and sort of how it impacts senate ability to do important work like voting rights this week <laughs> you know as as we see and i have this story this is back when congressman richie torres was in this new york city council and there was legislation on police reform in new york city and he was carrying one of the bills and he was making well he made compromises that a number of us as organizers and community folks like, you know, we're beating them up about, <laughs> you know, that the bill kind of just turned into something that we couldn't support. And after pushing it through, we eventually had to shift gears and was trying to convince people not to vote for it because it had been watered down so much. And I remember being in the chamber this at City Hall 
And he gets up to speak to talk about the bill and, you know, telling his colleagues to, you know, vote for this version, even though advocates are, you know, they, and he says something that has, you know, that angered me then to the point that the sergeant of arms shushed me <laughs> in the middle of the, in the chamber. But I mean, he's like, activists don't get to control what we do here. Oh my God, I was so angry about that because I was like, he was like active. I was like, but we are representing the voice of the people <laughs> of the people. And so we do. And so if there is a rule in place, which then the rule was, you know, um, you know, my colleagues vote with me because it's my bill or, you know, we're going to do this filibuster because, you know, because of this, if it's not serving the people, then yes, you do get to have a say so in changing it <laughs> so that it is more representative of what the people want, because that's what you're supposed to do. He and I haven't talked since because I was so mad. But, <laughs> but you know, it's things like that, like rules that are governing, you know, the legislative bodies or states or federal government that we know are in the way of people uh, of progress that we know are standing in the way, let's say of voting rights, right? That if we need to shift and change them in order to empower and engage people, then yeah, that's what you need to do. May, may I just add something really quick? Um, that is such an important point from an historicized point of view. And here's why. The reason why Lyndon B. Johnson signs the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the 1965 Voting Rights Act, the 1968 Fair Housing Act, is not because he had some great love for Black people. It's not because he just suddenly got it and walked in there and did what he had to do. He was pushed and he was pressured for a very long time by activists. They were the ones who pushed him. They were the ones who demanded it. So I get so outraged when I hear Lyndon B. Johnson getting so much credit. Of course, I'm happy that he did it. He was right. able to, you know, he was able to, to convince uh, people, people on both sides, quote unquote, because they were all rich white men like him. They were much more of a, of a monolith. He was able to convince them to do it. And, you know, whatever the case may be. But the reason why it happens is because of countless, countless activists. The reason why the Civil War is won. The reason why we have this so-called freedom is not because Abraham Lincoln loved Black people. Abraham Lincoln wasn't an abolitionist. Abraham Lincoln wasn't a radical. Abraham Lincoln was pushed to that. He was forced into glory by people like Frederick Douglass. The only reason why we have freedom is because of us. It's not because of the people who have the, who have the position. And the reason why we win this Civil War it's because thousands upon thousands of black men fought, left the South and fought in the North. They fought for their freedom. They fought for their freedom. So to me, they were activists as well too. So it's such an important point because any progress or movement that we've had in this country, it is because of activists standing up and demanding, insisting, you will make this change, this must happen. And so much of the time, we only give the credit to the person at the top, to the person who signed the bill. And I, I'm not saying Lyndon B. Johnson, he, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve any credit, but that's all they ever say. LBJ, LBJ did this. He did. But why did he do it? What, yeah. what pressure was on him to do it? Why did he? What, what would that? What would it, I mean, he was he was uh, he was a stone cold racist. We all know that at this point. But he did it 
because of pressure. He was talking with, with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for years. It wasn't like two or three conversations. So we can never downplay the work of activists because if we left the work just in the hands of politicians, our lives would be horrific. I mean, more horror than we could possibly imagine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, June, it, it reminds me, and I know you and I have had this conversation. <clears throat> there was, you know, some conversation back and forth where I talked about Clay online. I, I come from the school of make him do it, right? Like, because <laughs> I, I agree with you in that activists make the people make the environment conducive for other people to act. Right. And so when you do this pressure and it, I'm just completely frustrated, June, about the conversation of, well, what do you want Biden to do? You know, he doesn't, you know, the filibuster and this, you know, this and what do you want Democrats to do? Because this exists and well, we just shouldn't do anything because until we can change that, we can't do this. Not realizing that the make you do it that I'm talking about is continuing to press and put the pressure on. <laughs> for people to act so that people who have you know who are in those positions can point to can say like look this is what the people want so that biden can feel the pressure so that chuck schumer can feel the pressure of i have to get something done because this is what's happening in the streets this is what i can't answer the phone in my office without this i can't go to eat in a restaurant in brooklyn like P chuck schumer clay <laughs> will roll down the street on his bike and people would be like, when are you going to get rid of the filibuster? <laughs> you know, like, when, what are you going to do on voting rights? And so, June, like, I'm frustrated by people not, you know, feeling like we just have to throw up our hands because we can't do anything as if we don't make the environment conducive for change. We have to push. If we don't get out there and push, the change comes from the uncomfortability like as long as people are comfortable, there is no change. So as long as people think that you're okay with their malfeasance, if people think that you're okay with them stealing and lying and cheating you, if you're okay, then I'm okay. You don't complain, then I'll do more of that. And you know what? We're all tired of more of that. And now you're going to be uncomfortable until we can move forward. I mean, it's quite simple. And COVID has showed us that we have to push harder than ever now. People don't want to think big. If we don't think big, it's not going to be good. So I'm, I'm ready to push. I've been working out. I've been eating my Wheaties for your birthday. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go get a massage because I really want to be ready because I'm so the push is on. It's yeah, yeah Clay. <laughs> and thank I mean, you for all those that, lessons. To, Clay, to the point, there is educating people on the reality of why things can, aren't moving. Right. But there's certainly like that doesn't mean we just go home and stay silent because these things exist. And I'm just incredibly frustrated that anytime I bring that up, that people are like, well, what do you want him to do? And it, it reminds me of, oh, dang, I should play this back at, at one point, like when we have the administration calls us for like to do certain things. And anytime you see some of the talk, the cable news or talk thing or whatever, they ask that question, what do you want him to do? what options does he have i was like i'm sorry i didn't get elected president to figure this out for him he told me in the campaign clay he said i know how to work with these guys i've been like i've been in this situation i've done hard things with it he told me he could do it so why would i not tell him to show and prove 
Okay, so um, I struggle with this, and I'm open to having my mind changed. So let's just let's just talk about it. I totally hear you. I really do. Uh, now, when Biden was saying that, I think we all were like, "Bro, that ain't gonna work." Good luck with that. <laughs> I do want to say that there are some things that Biden has done these first nine months that I think are really important. Uh, he has appointed more black women in history, in history in nine months of the US, U.S. appeals court than any other president. That's crucial. He has the highest proposal for HBCUs. He also, um, the CARES Act, uh, gave a lot of money to HBCUs and black businesses. So that there are some things that he has done. There was an executive order recently uh, with Black American in the title for equity in Black households. So I do want to say there are some things that have been done. But here's where I do struggle. And y'all, I could be wrong. But there are two insidious Dixiecrats named Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Kristen, Kirsten Sinema who are demonic, hateful Dixiecrats. And, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not, I hear y'all, but I have said that. I don't know, it is Joe Manchin Senate. It's Joe Manchin Senate. I, I, at this point, if Biden doesn't do something, he's gonna be a failure. I don't think he wants to be a failure. I do think that there, I don't even know what Joe Manchin wants. I don't know what Sinema wants. How do you negotiate with somebody when you don't know what they want? Republicans get the work done because they're much more of a monolith. You know, so I hear you and I could be wrong, but when I hear people say, well, Biden must end this filibuster. Joe Manchin ain't doing that. Sinema ain't doing that. And they know their power. Now, if we had DC statehood, it would be different. Yeah. If we didn't have to worry about them be different. So. I hear you. I, I don't, I mean, even Lyndon B. Johnson didn't have a Joe Manchin. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in, in the, in, in his era of the uh, night of, of 1964 Democratic Party. Mm, I okay. You. I hear you. I struggle. Okay. I, I have commentary for that. We'll be right back with more Sunday Civics. Schoolboy and schoolgirl come together. Who is the teacher? I go let you know. I go let you know. Welcome back to Sunday Civics. I do have another one of my thoroughest girls to come to the front of the class who, who comes, you know, this is a pattern because she comes late to the birthday party um, <laughs> often. <laughs> but you do hear her early, early in the morning when you just, you know, you just getting into the office. You just made your first coffee at the desk. Laree Daniel Favors is <laughs> coming to the front of the class. Hey, Laree. <laughs> The legend. You just put all my timeliness challenges out into the ether. <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey. It's so good to be back in this space with y'all. Hey, Clay. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, and Laria and I have talked about this as well, coming from the school of making people in this sense, making Biden do it. Yeah. And I, it's not just Biden, it's making Chuck Schumer do it. It's making Democrats do it. It's, you know, it's sort of the entire political operation continuing to push and put the pressure on for them to uh, do what we sent them to do. And, you know, Clay, I agree with you. It is a struggle 
of how do you manage the reality of a cinema and mansion and think with also the, you know, Biden told us he could do it. <laughs> Chuck Schumer tells us he can do it. Laree, your thoughts? So I think part of the challenge is that most of the people, a significant portion of the folks on the Democratic side of, the, of that big tent are very new to the entire electoral process. We are, as a group, only 57 years old as a voting community when we're talking about people in the global majority, uh, people of African descent and non-white people. So for a lot of us, there is a, a fundamental lack of understanding as to how some of these processes work, which contributes to a lot of the frustration. I have been very frustrated. I've, I've said frequently, I wish that when uh, Elder Clyburn had leaned down and talked to that older sister who was whispering what she thought needed to happen, I really wish that she had whispered somebody else's name. <laughs> that as it may, <laughs> Black people are very practical. And we practically decided that Joe Biden had the best shot of winning. But this is now the burden of dealing with practicality because Joe Biden was never going to be a superstar trailblazing in the same way that most Democratic presidents have not uh, indicated that they would be. He uh, is practically doing what can be done considering he's got an evenly split Senate and all that they have in their in their chamber is that tie breaking vote with Vice President Kamala Harris. Joe Manchin is, a, is for the filibuster. He is pro filibuster. Kristen Sinema, she is pro filibuster. Um, and pro not getting anything done. I was going to um, say, I think, I think less for I, Manchin. I could agree with. I think cinema is just pro chaos. <laughs> I think that's Saturday Night Live episode was really on point. Um, but I've been thinking a lot lately about one of the substantive benefits of being an older voter, uh, and I mean the Republican Party having access to a body of voters who have been voting since the country was a country, is that they are able to play the long game because they know time is on their side. And they're not as desperate as we are because their conditions are not quite as ex ex uh, extreme as ours are, but they have been fighting to get rid of the Voting Rights Act since it was passed in 1965. Their first couple of decades of attempts didn't work out so well, but they were able to chip, 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 chip away at it. And by 2013, they struck a major victory. And then earlier this year, struck another major victory at the Supreme Court level. And so as much as I am frustrated with the lack of immediacy in ad addressing our issues, I'm also looking at the Republicans. I'm like, hmm, y'all are not new to this. Y'all are really true to this. And because they are willing to do the long game planning, they build pipelines. They justices, for example, they have a pipeline is from here to wherever you can point in the world of people that they can. Oh, you need a judge. Boom. We got one. Uh, you need a, You need a, you need someone to fill this this position. Boom. We got one. Oh, you need an election manager, someone to run for that position. Oh, we got you. You need someone to manage the school board. Boom. We got you because they have the time. They got 340 some year head start on building out a pipeline so that when their immediate needs don't get met, they don't have the same emotional, angry, and righteous reaction, which we often have, which is handle it, like do it. You told us you can make it happen. Um, they get crafty and they plan and they don't throw up their hands and leave. They plan and they strategize and they learn how to manipulate the system. There are so many little minute rules and levers and subsections to the central provision, which is cross-referenced by th paragraph three, subsection C, little I, two A. And they know where all of these things are, one, one, because they built the system, but two, they've had the time to learn it. That's something that we have not had. And because our issues are immediate, because we like wanna breathe fresh air and not have our children gasp their last 
last breath because the air is foul. Because we actually send our children to public schools and we don't have the capacity to just shut them all down and miss out a year or two of education the way the white citizens councils did when they didn't want to integrate. Uh, because we don't have housing capacity to just develop affordable housing on our own. And in fact, because most of our substantive needs are provided by government, not by ourselves, which is another conversation, we are dependent in a different way on immediate change. And when we don't get it, that coupled with our newness to this system really creates sort of this circular, uh, circular firing squad, if you will, where we end up not even getting anything in the short run and we ain't planning anything to substantially get for the long run. So I am frustrated and I'm angry. And even though Joe Biden can't change the filibuster on his own, speak on it, bro. Say something. So, so, so this, is, this, this is why, you know, again, I have been a political strategist my entire you know career i understand the cards that he's dealt right but i also know he hasn't played his hand correctly and i think from my perspective clay going back to your question of uh, of this is i know he is being he's not playing the hand as aggressive as we know he can, because I also know from Joe Biden's situation of him being in the Senate or whatever, that he can get gully when he wants to. Joe can. And so for me, it's like, I've seen you do go harder before and you're not doing it here, right? So it's, yes, there is, he can't get filibuster on his own, but what else can, he do and you know part of it is like also discussing strategy on cable news and like all this stuff is like not something you're going to do but to larie's point he can be more creative right and what are some other provisions that we can do to get around you know what what we can do what is you know what are some other things that i can do with the governors i have you know like so there are things that can be done to signal to people that oh i'm i'm not playing here right on top of what the other the other issue to your point clay about the things that he has done whether it's child tax credit and as you mentioned appointing black women to the bench all of those things just shifting the conversation is like i said a couple of weeks from now we'll be shifting to the midterms he's going to have to run on a what i have done and what, right? Because strategists like me, we we already wrote we already wrote the first draft of the memo of what our messaging is going to be, what the accomplishments are, what we need to line in place in different um, places. And I can tell you that some people are like, "Yeah, we about to lose." So um, let me try to get these. <laughs> let me try to get a job over here. Versus, how can we strategically? you know, use what we have accomplished, but then also make sure our guy, i.e. Joe Biden and, you know, sort of the top leadership are showing very strongly, very hard that I'm laying it, I'm busting it wide open for <laughs> black voters. And what I'm seeing is he ain't got Megan Stallion knees. He ain't busting it open <laughs> like I needed to. <laughs> I have to head out soon, but um, I do want to say that I think at the heart of it, and I, I agree with you that the messaging isn't good. We need some bullet points. I will, I will say one thing about Republicans, their messaging, they will have bullet points even when it's not true. I mean, Trump said, I still remember it. Trump said, HBCUs. 
when Alma Adams wrote the, uh, I think it was called the uh, Future Act. Alma Adams wrote it. It was veto proof, had nothing to do with him. Trump said the, the lowest black unemployment rate in history, nothing to do with that either. You know, that, that was obviously inherited. And then it skyrockets, right? Because he handled the coronavirus uh, so, so, uh, so, so uh, terribly. And the, um, the First Step Act, which was already in the works under the Obama administration. And I, but he literally had that. HBCUs, First Step Act, and, you know, and so on. So I agree with you on the messaging, and that is a problem. And I think he should have he should have done student loan forgiveness over the summer. That would have been an easy bullet point. He could have said over and over and over and over. That would have been great. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're going to fight because we know how detrimental it would be if if the Republicans, God forbid, get, get control of the House and the Senate. But it's my favorite line from Larry Favors. We are in Massa's house rearranging the furniture. That should be the name of your book, Larry, in Massa's house. <laughs> like, we, we literally, this is, I mean, I'll never forget when I heard you say that years ago. And the truth is, Massa's house is here. Massa's house is in Brazil. Massa's house is in most of West Africa. Massa's house is in Jamaica, definitely in Haiti. So we're in a, um, it's tough. And I agree, the long game is epic. And they, listen, they planned that Southern strategy with Barry Goldwater even before that 1965 Voting Rights Act. They had that in the works. So it is very difficult. My faith though, it is in the newer Democrats who are being elected, like Malcolm Kenyatta, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Philly, get ready next year to show up and show all the way out. Chevron Jones in Florida, Omari Hardy in Florida as well. Uh, there are so many younger Democrats. We need to vote out these old guard folks who aren't doing the damn thing. And hopefully with using that tool, make some serious change. But I hear you, I, I get it. And we're in Mass's house, moving the, moving, the, moving the couch, moving the end table. Sweep, sweeping around, moving a rug, getting a new rug. Yeah, that's what it is. And Laurie, I'll never forget that. That line changed me. Oh, oof. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. But what the real issue, I think, for a lot of us is, is we have to really question why we want to be in Massa's house. Are we willing to build a new house, which takes a lot of work? It's not just drawing the sketch on the on the paper. It's the foundation. It's the infrastructure. It's the sewage. It's the pipeline. It's all of the things that go into constructing a house. That requires a level of discipline that um, people who are still operating with a slave mindset or an enslaved mindset have not yet quite cultivated. And I'm sure you guys already talked about executive orders. I'm sure because as you mentioned, Joe, I was late. Um, but <laughs> you know, I think even though he, he is so locked in in so many ways. Um, the reality is that, you know, right now I saw a report that there are talks about using executive order to address uh, uh, the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act failures. Why weren't we having that conversation before? Implement the executive order, fight it out in court, and then pass the legislation to support it and sustain it. Same thing with voting rights. Even if you know it's going to be undone, that month that uh, Representative Cory Bush was able to buy for the, uh, the um, uh, what was it, the eviction moratorium, that mattered. That showed some fight. And we knew it was going to be adjusted and we knew it was going to be shut down, but it mattered. Fight harder, bruh. 
fight harder. I'm just Pass saying. The order, reset the standard in the conversation, fight for the legislation. And when it doesn't pass, you still have the executive order. You can say, listen, I am outnumbered, but here's what I'm willing to do for you. Voting rights. Now they're going to start having conversations about executive orders, which they could have done at all the time, um, but because they did not, and it ends up sending or, or shifting the winds in a way that really is unhelpful when there are so many better ways that this could have been handled. This entire year uh, is in some ways, it's been a bit of a waste. Unfortunately, there is so much more that could have been done and could still be done. So Joe Biden and all your handlers, because I know they're listening, um, get on it. Act like you actually care. Act like you actually care. Uh, because the reality is if we saw some more fight, it would be a lot easier to convince people that we have a shot. It would be easier to convince them that we should be playing the long game. Well, Clay. One more thing, one more thing before I go. Uh, I, I hear that one thing that I wanted, and maybe I'm just too gangster, too Philly, when Cotton to Congress, Tim Scott, reneged on allegedly working out this George Floyd policing act, I really wanted Senator Cory Booker and Rep. Barbara Lee to blast him. I wanted them to go on TV and go all the way off Republican style, but they didn't. That, now that could be wrong. I wanted you to say what he said he would do. Give me dates, give me data, give me data. I wanted you to blast him. But, ah. Uh. Said Tim got to lie. He got to be the lying liar who lies. He kicked off the lying liar who lies tour. Nobody checked him. Nobody came for him. He just got to get up there and lie. And then people like us on Urban View had to call it out because the elected officials who were in those rooms with him who knew he was like, I mean, even the sheriffs, uh, uh, the, the police unions were like, nah, son, you lying. You a lying liar. Right. Who's lying right <laughs> and now? And let me be clear. I, I love Rep. Barbara Lee. I, I, I adore her. Amazing. I adore her. And her strategy might be different. She's obviously much smarter than me, but that's what I wanted in me. And that would have made me happy. But hey. Well, on that, Clay, thank you so much for uh, stopping by. I got to have you you all on <laughs> more frequently to the front of the class for us to talk about the real world implications of civics class playing out with us every day. Moral of the story so far is get Joe Biden some Megan Thee Stallion knees. Maybe we need just to send him send him a little video, show him how to how to how to bust it open. All right, Clay, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate you. And wait a minute, y'all know the deal. I ain't never really gone. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more Sunday Civics. How can it be that you love the most unlovable part of me? Of me. How could you see? Your life was the only gift I left for me to be free. Welcome back to Sunday Civics. I can officially say this because it's just the two of them now. I got my thoroughest girls with me at the front of the class. June like the month, Moses like the Bible, and Laree Daniel favors. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> can I just say, though, this whole thing was really great, and I really enjoy sitting here like I was a student and I was taking notes. But the, you know me, I'm on the ground getting dirty, doing the stuff, doing the lessons. Thank you, Eljoy. And what I noticed is that the trickle down of money that's always supposed to happen, it never trickles down, but the poverty and the need tends to trickle up. So uh, as we're talking about coming into midterms and being able to list the things that you, your accomplishments, everybody likes to throw around that $300 and all these things that are supposed to lift people out of 
poverty. Those numbers are not real. Those very people, usually they say you got three months before prices adjust, your rent adjusts, and that money is not, that money was gone in six weeks. And now the people who might have a little bit more are still having to try to take care of those that were, the boxes checked off, we gave them 300 bucks. And those feelings are going to be something we need to also overcome on like the regular folks side. Thank you. I'm sorry. I just. Yeah. I, just, I mean, you know, there is, um, again, as, as we were talking with Clay, there's like what talking points to put together to get people excited and engaged. And, you know, there are those who are like, why do I got to get people excited to vote? You just do. Right. Like, like it, it, it just is. There are a certain pop population that you need to get excited and engaged to vote. They need to see what is in it for them. What have you done for them lately? You know, how have you changed their lives or how will voting for you change my life and change my conditions? And for a large portion of people, Lorraine, it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House because I'm still po. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's Joe Biden or someone, I mean, who my congressperson is, if first of all, I didn't know who they were in the beginning. And second of all, it's not like I can call them on addressing whether it's housing issues or education issues or things of that nature. Like there are people who are not tuned in on a day-to-day -day basis, like we are, like some of us who listen to the show and are the foot soldiers, the activists, the organizers, the you know, folks who beat the bushes for votes, you know, we are engaged, we see what's going on, but we all know that there are family members and other people in our community, that it doesn't matter what the happens in the political class, my situation is still the same. I may not be poor, I may not be downtrodden, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, so there are those things to consider, we just have a different population to engage and vote. And one of the challenges that we really have to think about is the fact that people have real life issues. All those issues you just mentioned, Joan, or June, uh, yes, I can see. <laughs> All those issues you just mentioned are real life. Can I eat today? Am I paying rent this week? Is my landlord going to catch me outside and put a lock on my door? Real world issues. And a lot of people were, I remember when Cori Bush uh, stepped on the seat on the steps and people were suggesting, oh, it's performative. I'm sorry, I've lived in a shelter before. Having someone willing to bring that level of attention to it really mattered. And to the extent that we have, you know, there was a, a report earlier this week that um, uh, one administration official had said something to the effect of that voting rights was sort of a pet issue. And they said, if you talk to anyone in the immigrant rights community, they too think their issue is life or death. And the reality is that for a lot of people in power in the Democratic Party, Thank you very much. And I heard Barbara Armand once say that Republicans and Democrats are both interested in uh, white supremacist leadership structure. So let us be clear. Um, but it, it, it doesn't matter if I can't eat. Like you trying to en encourage me to get out and vote and not like I got, it's easy, right? I can barely afford a child. Okay, now you want me to stand in line. Can't nobody pass me no water. Like I got to try and figure out why it's worth it for me and saying that voting for you is better than voting for the other person because I'm simply holding back the, the evil that's out there potentially. Sis, I'm dealing with evil right now. I'm dealing with issues right now that are going to mean be really life and death issues for me today. So telling me that voting for you, going through all of this to navigate this system that was intentionally complicated to keep me from engaging in it, 
And then I'm supposed to care when you're not doing anything to help me meet my basic needs. And then I'm, I'm hearing that my basic needs to you are, are just talking points. It's not yeah. a recipe for success by a long shot. Well, I mean, I want to go back to, and I'm going to try this. I'm actually going to try to email my folks in the administration and put the subject line as tell Biden to bust it wide open and see what response I get. And yeah, I'm going to try that. I know the vice president knows what that means, but I don't know if he understands. I don't know if he understands what that means, but I'm going to try it. So for my fam that are in the administration, there's an email coming your way (laughs) with the subject line busted wide open because I do want to see more fight. And so transitioning that to how do we, because as Clay mentioned, you know, those of us who are activists, who are vote getters, who are organizers, we're going to be beating the bushes because we do know what the alternative is. Right. Some of us has better persuasion arguments, you know, than others, right, that we can come up on our own. But, you know, losing the House, losing the Senate has immediate ramifications, you know, in our lives and being able. But I don't want to just explain to people, June, what we will lose or what the the, the, you know, we always have to have, we always are in the, like the house is on fire mode. Like I wanna be able to say, not only did the administration do this, but you see how hard they are working on this next piece, right? And so we need a greater, we need greater support. We need to come out in numbers so that we can do this more, a more affirming message than the house is on fire and we need to all come together and grab, you know, grab the holes and let's put out this fire. Like I want to be going into midterms with more affirmation talking points with more, this is what we can do next rather than, you know, this is the fire we need to put out. Can we do that and take a fire extinguisher because the house is on fire? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, yeah, realistically, the house really is on fire. And again, we may not be able to get the people who go, my life hasn't changed. So why should I bother to vote? But you know who's going to be affected? The ones in their family who's helping them pay their bills, who do care about voting. They're going to be like, why am I voting for you? Because I'm still laying out money for my cousin Bobo. No. So I don't know what the talking points are, but when I get them, I'm willing to beat those bushes and bring in us regulars because Yes, the house is on fire. And I, what, what can we say that's hopeful? You got anything? Yes. I have a theory. Ooh. Oh, no wait, go ahead, Larry. No, 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 go ahead, Larry. So my theory is, I think Joe Biden's going to wait to the very last minute, and he's going to have done everything he can but called on the name of Black Jesus to get some legislation through. Once it is abundantly clear to everyone that he cannot get it through, my theory hmm, is that he will issue executive orders like he's trying to make it rain. And I think he's going to cut student loan debt before the end of the year so that he can talk about it. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna do the full 50. Uh, I think he should, but I think that he's going to do a number of things that he sort of just held off on the hopes that he could try to make this work. I mean, 40 years in the Senate, he really is committed to the senatorial process. I had a meeting today where I had to do uh, some Robert's Rules of Order and I almost died. I was in agony. (laughs) 
trying to manipulate the process and work the process. I think he enjoys that process. I think he's good at it when he was a senator, but I think he's going to try to make it work in every way possible. And then when it can't, I think then he might be forced to issue and they'll be timid. They're not going to be the big, bad, bold. And, you know, you know, it's not going to be the build back better. It'll be the build back meekly. <laughs> it won't be better. Um, it'll, it'll be what they can make happen. Um, and he will run on at that point. This was the best we could do. We tried to really make this process work. We need more senators. We need more House members. Uh, really got to ensure that we don't come back with a 50-50 split, let alone losing the House. But I think if he can craft a, listen, this is what we could do with the numbers we had. Help me get way more people so that we are not in this position again. And frankly, they can keep building back better. Like just because this is the one time that they've tried it and it's not working, do it again in the next session because you're not going to get it all right now. Yep. But those executive orders, I want them whipped out like spades cars. Like you got a full bam, blah, out. Like the brothers be and the sisters be having it on the forehead. <laughs> slap that thing down. Hit and the card table. Stack <laughs> it up. Domino. Boom. Boom. So what you're saying is he does know how to bust it wide open. He just only bring it out at homecoming. So like that's, that's what you're saying is that he is building up until that point and then he's gonna make it rain and be in the center of the floor and have everybody around him like go joe go joe you know do that all thing Money bag joe right and then it'll be right at the beginning of midterms and then we can just you know run on that it's just like they stopped it they, they tried to stop me they tried <laughs> they tried to hold me back but i got you boo <laughs> we call that a busset. It's a difference between a busset and a busset wide open. But we'll take a bus. We'll take that. You know, we'll take a little, a, a, a little twerk. House little, is on fire. I'll take a drizzle. If you, if you can't make it drip, I'll take a drizzle. Let's give me a little something, something. A good thing this is Sunday. I got a whole bunch of inappropriate innuendos. <laughs> But I, I mean, I'm going to do better and I'm actually going to tag in my folks for the administration who I, I, I do know because they send me emails and, you know, I don't think they should play this whole episode for <laughs> certain folks. But I do think, like we said, we want to see more fight and people want to see you fight. People want to see you fight for them. And a lot of we've talked on the show before about political theater. And when you don't have the super majority, when you don't have those things, you do have to play into the political theater. You do have to show that you called down mansion, you know, and cinema. You do have to, you may not have a lot that you can do to them because they're, you know, elected by, you know, the people and, and things of that nature, but you do need to participate in that theater right to show people to show the voters to build that confidence in voters that they trusted you and they put their faith in you to send you to do a job and they know and have reassurance that the person that they sent to do the job is doing the absolute best that they can in order to address the needs that they have and you're right that's what needs to be shown and what i am saying is that for those of us who are active and others, we have to continue the push, right? We don't let up. We even push harder so that you can create the environment. He can respond to it. The administration can respond to it. They can demonstrate that they do have that fight so that we can push and, get and gain more 
in the midterms. Now, Biden himself isn't on the ballot in midterms. He is in the sense that his agenda, the administration's agenda, and what they're working on or not working on or trying to do is on the ballot. And, you know, based upon what happens from that election, we'll see what he can further, what he can do more. But Congress is, right? And that is what he needs in order to get through a lot of the agenda that build back better, you know, and more that he wants to do. And so, you know, he says he doesn't want to be a what term. I think that's, again, political theater. Um, and so you have to bust it wide open. That should be the title of this episode. Bust it wide open, Joe. Or just wide open. <laughs> would you would you like the Joe or would you like with a comma with the Joe an exclamation? Point? I think we add Joe's name up in there. And but I, can do that. I don't want to just say it's just Joe alone, just the administration alone. And as I mentioned, it's Congress too, right? They have to demonstrate, participate in the public theater you know, and push harder, do more uh, coordination and, and push harder and expose, you know, what is standing in their way so that they're, when they go back to their districts, right, they can report out, this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm fighting. Build, you know, build back better with me. Let's, you know, in increase this because we're going to need a lot of money. I'm going to lead a lot of foot soldiers during this midterm process in order to pull this out to retain. But uh, I don't want to just retain. I need at least we need at least two or three more <laughs> so we can actually get something done. That's how I'm shifting my conversation about a lot of this. And I've because I've been very like what the entire <laughs> the name of baby Jesus is happening right now. Um but I, again, as I've sort of gone through this process of really watching how strategic uh, white supremacist legislators are, watching how strategic they they are when they engage with each other, and and not even just yes, we know they've got they they only have their tent only need one pole because everybody can hold it up because they all got the same set of needs. Um, but my I'm I'm really thinking more about how to speak more affirmatively and to think really more critically about talking with our community about that long game and making sure that we're clear. Again, we've only been we only had the right to vote for the past 57 years. So everybody who's 58 years older, you're older than integration. I say it all the time. So it makes sense that we are frustrated, but I think one of the, the roles that I would like to see myself play more and, and, and commentators and, and activists more is painting the vision of what can happen when we, the voters, bust it wide open. Now, we might be dealing with a partner like, you know, build back meekly meant, uh, Biden, but we can bust it open. We can bust it wide. We can bust it wide open as, as much as we want. And I think that if we have a long-term game and if we have long-term strategies, the the immediacy of what's happening in the now becomes a little bit less important because we are able to focus on the long-term goal. Yeah. That's my hope. This is a great pre-birthday conversation. I love catching up with y'all. You can catch Larie Daniel Favors during the weekday here on Sirius XM and get more gems, more education, uh, more African-centered knowledge uh, from Larie Daniel Favors early, just when you walk into the office, 
just when you just when you get there, turn it on and listen to her. And you hear June all throughout the guests that we have. And June, thank you so very much for all of the flowers and all of the the birthday accolades. Those of you who are listening, thank you for coming to class this Sunday morning. Thank you for being connected to the Sunday Civics community. Give your girl a shout out. Wish me happy birthday. And tell me specifically how you are using our conversations that we have every Sunday here in class to empower your community. We'll be back next Sunday with more of Sunday Civics. Oh.